0: Effective living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Psalm 119, verse 105. He says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This scripture is part of our uh, wisdom declaration. And it's important that the Word of God becomes the light that directs you in life so that you will not be lost, you will not be misled, and you will not be misguided. Amen? But when God is speaking to you through His Word, last Sunday I said that the principal way by which God speaks to us today is through his word in hebrews chapter one verse one he said god in various ways and various times spoke to us spoke to our fathers through the prophets but in this last day he has spoken to us through his son so god is speaking to us he always wants to speak to us uh, because we are his children and he loves us he has great plans for our lives but we need to understand what he's saying to us. Amen? Bible interpretation seeks to understand what God is saying through his word. Because without understanding, whatever somebody has said is useless. For instance, if I stand here and I talk for the next one hour and at the end of it all, Nobody here understands anything I said. It is as if the time I spent here is just a waste. God speaks to us through his word. God always wants to speak to us through his word. But we that are children of God, we need to understand what he's saying. We need to know how he speaks to us by knowing how to interpret the scriptures properly. Now, the book of um, 2 Peter 1 verse 20 says that, You cannot just get up and interpret scriptures the way you like. The reason why we have many, many confusion among Christians, you will see the same text of scripture. One person says, it is like this. Another person says it is that. This is the meaning. Another person says this is the meaning. You know, you'll see people doing different things in churches. When you move from church to church, you will see Uh, a church doing one thing, another church says it's wrong not to do it. The reason why we have these problems in Christianity is because many people think that you can interpret the scriptures the way you like. But read the scripture. It says that knowing this first, that means that before you ever attempt to begin to say this is the meaning of this particular scripture passage, you must know first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. The phrase private interpretation means that no portion of the scripture has an isolated meaning. You can't say, well, this is what I understand by it and it's final. No. The reason is that every scripture verse, every text of scripture has only one meaning. No text of scripture has Different meanings. <laughs> Every text in the scripture has how many meanings? Only one. If everybody interprets a particular scripture passage right, we will all arrive at one meaning. Hallelujah. Yeah, it is like a teacher teaching in a subject in class and telling the students that you will all understand what I'm teaching differently. Is it possible? No. No. If a teacher is teaching on, let's say, geography or geography, depending on which school you went, hallelujah. <laughs> so, if your geography teacher comes and say, weather is defined as what? Who can remember? The condition of the atmosphere. So, if there's an exam and they say, define weather, you can say, for me, I have a different meaning to it. In fact, you may use different words to define it, but the meaning is what? It's the same. So let me give you another practical example. Everybody stand up. How many people are standing here? All of you. Yeah, hallelujah. You know why you're all standing? Because what I said has only one meaning. Amen. Amen. What did I say? Stand up. And stand up means what? Stand up. Why are you standing? I said you should stand. Amen. Everybody sit down. Now, supposing the choir says, well, as for us, anytime pastor says stand up, we have a different meaning to it. So when pastor says stand up, for us, it means we should laugh. Hallelujah. We should laugh. Then the church council says, well, when pastor says people should stand up, for us, the meaning we have is that we should kneel down and then. The nursing mothers at the back, they said, for us, when pastor says stand-up, the meaning we have is we lift our babies in the air. (laughs) Hallelujah. And then the band says, for us, if pastor says stand-up, the meaning we have is that we should start playing the drums like crazy. Now, any time I said stand-up, what is going to happen in the church? There'll be confusion. Some people will be laughing, others will be throwing their children in the air, others will be kneeling down, others will be lying prostrate. People will be shocked. So there is confusion in Christendom because people have given different meaning to one scripture text when God's intention is that scripture should have only one meaning. Bible said no portion of scripture is of private interpretation. It's of an isolated interpretation. Interpretation, if it's properly done, it will all take you to one destination, everybody in Christendom. Because God says the same thing to different people at different times. Same thing. Amen. Amen. Very important. Today, I want to lay some more foundation. And then next, I'm going to teach you. The principles by which you interpret scripture. I want to say another thing about the authority of scripture. Everybody say the authority of scripture. Now, let's go to the book of 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter wrote a lot of things about, about scripture interpretation. I think it's because he was the head of the church. And as the head of the church, it mattered to him a lot what people did with the scriptures. Hallelujah. Second Peter 3, from verse 5. For this they willfully forget that what? By the word of God, the heavens were of old. Or in other words, the heavens were created. And the earth standing out of water and in the water. Now this scripture means that the earth was created out of water. You remember Genesis chapter 1. Before we had dry ground today, or we have the earth where a human being can live, the whole earth was covered by water. And the Bible said, let the waters retreat to one side. And set, and God set a boundary for the waters. Hallelujah. And the drag ground cream. Now, everything that was created on earth was created by the word, remember? And God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be day." So, Peter is referring to the power of the word of God. Amen? The power of the word of God. That same word that created the earth. And everything in it is that same word that God took out of himself and put together as scripture. So we can read. So we can understand his thoughts and know him better. All right. Verse 6. So, the, verse 5 says, By the word of God, the heaven was created. The earth was created out of water and in the water. Verse 6 says, By which the well that then existed perished. You remember? That the earth has perished before in the time of Noah. The Bible said it was by God's word that the earth was destroyed. When God got angry with people for their wicked ways, he said to Noah, I am about to destroy the earth. So prepare an ark and tell everybody to repent. Only eight people listened to him. Amen. You know why they, they, the rest didn't listen? They doubted what God has said. And they all died. So he said, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word. Bible says that the earth that we live in today and the heavens are preserved or is kept together. By the same word. In other words, for the harmony of the universe, the way everything goes on day and night, the earth rotates on its axis, revolves in its orbit around the sun, that we have day and night, the f- different seasons of the earth. We have year upon year. We have enough oxygen to breathe. We have, we have carbon dioxide and atmosphere for every tree and all trees and grasses to live. Everything happening that the earth is at a proper distance from the sun. Because if the earth gets closer to the sun by a few kilometers, we'll all be dead. That the stars are in their places. Every single star you see in the night is bigger than the sun. If one star, by mistake, falls from where it is on the earth, everybody will be dead. Because each star is bigger than the earth by a thousand times. The harmony of the universe, the way everything goes on, that life is good. We never wake up and get short of oxygen to breathe. Anytime there's a little earthquake, just a little one for a few minutes, thousands of people die. The Bible said there is one thing that, that created this earth and that same thing that preserves the earth so that the earth is always a place to live. Without any danger. And that one thing is the word of God. Amen. Amen. Yeah, That is why the word of God is the final authority on earth. It said reserved for fire unto the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Amen. Psalm 138 verse 2 says that God has exalted his word above his name. Psalm 138 verse 2. Come ready to go. I ready go. I will worship, for you have magnified your word above all your name. God magnified His word above His name. If He could magnify His word above His name, it tells you He has magnified His word above everything, above everything. The final authority on earth is the word of God. Nothing else contradicts God's word in authority on earth. Yeah, God cannot say that because of so-so and so-so and so, I will suspend my word and do something contrary to my word. In fact, God cannot violate his own word. So, it becomes the highest authority that is binding on the earth and everybody that lives on the earth. That is the simple truth about the word of God that we ought to know. Amen? All right. Now... The four major functions of Scripture uh, before uh, we move any further. 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16, we read it last Sunday. It says that Scripture was inspired. Everybody say, Scripture is inspired by God. Everybody say, All Scripture, all scripture. is inspired. It's inspired. Mm. Now, the Bible is very interesting. Many times you will come across this question, or you yourself, you will be tempted to ask this question. Is it everywhere in the Bible that is inspired by God? Because you will sometimes be wondering, by the way, let me remind you about the meaning of inspiration. Inspiration means the influence of God over the people who wrote the scriptures. The Bible makes us understand that the people who wrote the scriptures are 40. And these 40 people wrote at different times, but they were under the total influence of God, of the Holy Spirit. So they did not write partly by their spirit and partly by their own mind. 100% of what they wrote was the influence of God's spirit. So God took over the people at the time they were writing his word. Because God knows that what they were writing is crucial, is critical to human life. It is that which is going to become the basis for authority, the standard for living. So God ensured that everything, every word, every full stop, every question mark, every dot. In fact, Jesus said not even a dot in the scriptures can be broken. I will show you that very soon. Jesus said, not even a dot. Or maybe let let me show you that before we continue. Yeah, Matthew chapter 5 from verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Verse 17. He said, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. When Jesus said the law, he was referring to the five books of Moses. The five books of Moses. Jesus said, I did not come to contradict the law. The five books of Moses written by Moses, I did not come to contradict it. It suggests to us that Jesus also endorsed the fact that the five books of Moses were inspired. That is why he said, I did not come to destroy it. I did not come to destroy the prophet. He's talking about the prophetic books, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Daniel, Hosea, Ezekiel, name them, all the way to Malachi. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill them. Amen. Amen. It suggests that for us to be successful today, let's not try to fight the word of God. Don't try. Don't, you never tell Don't try. it. Yeah. Don't try to say, I have a way of setting aside the scripture because I am somebody special. It is the beginning of frustration for you. Jesus said, I did not come to destroy, but I came to fulfill. Verse 18. He said, for I surely, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away. One jot. Hallelujah. The word jot there is not talking about cigarettes. <laughs> because in Jesus' time, there was no cigarette. So, it couldn't be talking about secret. The word jot there is a Greek word which means title. Or it also means a dot. One jot or one title will by no means pass from the Lord till all is fulfilled. Yeah. So, even the dot, the full stop in the Bible is important. The... English Standard Version says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, nor not a dot, will pass. So when you are reading the Bible, you see a full stop. There is a reason why God put it there. Question mark, there's a reason. For you to interpret Scripture properly, you even have to find out why is there a question mark here and not over there. So back to 2 Timothy 3.16. People ask me, Pastor... If the Bible is inspired, why is it that you are reading King James Bible, it says something, then when you read the NIV Bible, the same verse, it says the same thing, it uses different words. If you say every word is inspired, then why are different Bibles using different words to describe the same thing? Have you ever wondered about that? Now, the reason why it is so is that when the Bible says all scripture, everybody say all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. The reason why different Bibles have different, use different English words is because the inspired scripture was not in English language. The people who wrote the Bible did not write in English. The people who were inspired to write the Bible wrote in what we call original biblical language. And these biblical languages are Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. So these three languages is the original language in which Scripture was written. If you take any text in the original Hebrew language, you will not see different words. But when the Bible was being translated from the Hebrew into English, different organizations decided to choose different words to interpret. So you may read NIV Bible and see different words like we just saw. You may take um, the Revised Standard Version of the Bible and see different words by the same meaning because they are all translating from one source. And that one source is the original language in which scripture was inspired and written. Amen. Never you forget that the Bible was not written in English. It was written in Hebrew, in Greek, and in Aramaic, and it was translated. Everybody say translate. Translate. All right. To translate, means take it from one language and put the same meaning in another language. So when we are translating, for instance, if um, I have two people here to translate my preaching from English... Chi, you will be surprised that I am preaching the same one thing in English, but each of them would translate the same thing by, they will use different words. But at the end of the day, they want to communicate the same meaning. So the Bible says, all scripture is inspired. So God breathed his thoughts. He put his thoughts in people in different ways. For some people, it came by revelation. Like Moses, somebody asked me before, Moses wrote the book of Genesis, How did he know how God created the earth? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form, blah, 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 blah. Moses wrote it. How did he know? God showed it to him. He said, Pastor, when on Mount Sinai, when Moses went to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments and the laws of Israel, Bible says Moses stayed on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights without food. It was not only the law God gave him, God also gave him the history of human life. Why? God wants people to know what happened. Amen? So he gave it to Moses. And Moses wrote it. So Moses wrote under inspiration. Amen? Yeah, and added the things that God told him. If you start reading from the Exodus 20, God gave him the laws, the ceremonies of Israel, everything. He wrote them. Hallelujah. And it is what? The scripture is what? It is, everybody, I want you to say it profitable. profitable. Turn to them and tell them the scriptures, the scriptures. is profitable. It's profitable. Tell them the scripture, the scripture. is profitable, it's profitable for you. But when they say something is profitable, it means that it has power to bring you gain. You never lose when you Take that word and apply it to your life. You, you never lose. You always gain. It is profitable. The Bible is not one old book God wants to dump on you to make your life miserable. No. The Bible is God's word to his lovely children. That will enable them to become successful and do well in life. He said to Joshua, he said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, you shall meditate on it day and night, observe to do all that is written in it, then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. So when you apply your life to the word, you gain. Now, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It is profitable. Somebody say the word of God. is profitable for me. One more time. No, some of you are not saying it. Say it say it very well. The word of God is profitable for me. Say one more time. One more time. Say it one more time. One more time. The word of God is Do you know that if you know that you know that you know that the word of God is profitable for you, you will read it every day. You will read it every day. Hallelujah. Yeah, you read it every day. Anything that brings profit, we don't like playing with it. We, we give it much attention. The reason why you leave the Bible every day and run around town looking for money and looking for connection, because you don't know that the Word of God has the power to make your life profitable. Amen? Amen. All right. And there are four important functions that the Scripture uh, has as stated in Second Timothy 3, 16. The first one is, let's look at it. He said, and is profitable for doctrine. Everybody say doctrine. And then the second one, is say for reproof. Everybody say reproof. Then the third one, is say for correction. And then the last one, is say for instruction. So anytime you are reading the Bible, you come across one of these four. The first one is doctrine. Everybody say doctrine. Doctrine means foundational teachings of Scripture. That is God's standards for Christian faith. The foundational teachings of scripture. The foundational teachings of scripture, that is God's standards for Christian faith. So you cannot say, I am a Christian, but I believe what I like. No. There are doctrines of scripture that govern our faith. That as a Christian, for instance, it is doctrinal that Jesus was born of a virgin. You can't say me, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. You can't say I'm a Christian, but I believe that Jesus was not conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You cannot say I'm a Christian, but I don't believe that people must receive Jesus into their life before they become born again. These are doctrines. It is unquestionable. It's God's standards documented in Scripture. Amen? Amen. So we have many, many Bible doctrines. Doctrines of salvation, doctrine of baptism, doctrine of the Holy Spirit. You can't say, I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. I don't believe in speaking in tongues. Your belief doesn't change anything. It just shows that you are ignorant and you are wayward. (laughs) Amen? So doctrine. The second function that the Bible serves, when you read the Bible, you come across is what we call reproof. Reproof means exposure of wrongdoing so there are times you read the bible you will come across people who have done wrong things god left it there for a lesson for us amen for instance this morning we had an exhortation that cain became envious against his brother and killed his brother the question is did god put that in the bible so that we can also learn how to be envious and kill our brothers No, God put it there to expose somebody's wrongdoing so that we can learn out of it. Amen? Amen. The lesson you learn there is that you can have somebody you call your brother, one father, one mother, but he can can be envious of you. And when people are envious, they can kill. That's the lesson you learn. That when somebody is envious, you have to be afraid of the person because he can take your life. He can kill you. So the Bible doesn't only give us doctrine. It also gives us reproof. There are many, many lessons we learn in the Bible that exposes people's wrongdoing and also showed how the wrongdoing resulted in failure so that we can learn not to do the same wrong things. Yeah, so it is not everything in the Bible is prescribing an example for us to follow. Some are prescribing examples for us to avoid. So don't come and tell me, oh, David was a man after God's own heart but he took somebody's wife and God still loved him. So you too, you can take somebody's wife and God will love you. No, 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 no. No, you should also read the consequences of what David did. The problems he brought to his house. You should read it. Then you see that when you take people's wife, God may love you, but you cannot escape the consequences of your wrong choices. Yeah. Yeah. Oh me, as for me, you know, I'm 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 a special man. God loves me so much, I can do anything I like. No, God loves you. I'm not disputing that. But every decision you make is a seed you sow, and you reap the fruit. So the Bible gives us what we call reproof. Everybody say reproof. There are lots of things in the Bible that is not examples for us to repeat. There are examples for us to avoid. So it is not prescriptive, it's descriptive. The the third one is correction. Correction. Correction means guidance for upright living. There are portions of the scripture when you read, it tells you how to live uprightly. To be like God in character. In character. That's what it means to be holy. When God says be holy, he says be like me in character. He said, that is why I said, be holy because I am holy. Be exactly like me. Let your character reflect mine because you are my child. And I created you in my image. Amen? Yeah. yeah, be like God. So that is why there are certain practices that in theology we call it the code of worship. Everybody say code of worship. Now, when we talk about code of worship, it's, we are talking about anybody who ever related with God in the Bible. There are things they did. Whether they were in the Old Testament, New Testament, there are certain practices in the Bible that is not dispensational. You cannot say this one is under the law or under the grace. It is neither under law or grace. It is just part of relationship with God. Once you come close to God, you will pray. Amen? Yeah. From Adam. Adam. Once you come close to God, you will worship. Worship is not an act under the law. It is neither an act under grace. Worship is part of our practice of faith. Amen. 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 Yeah. Praise. When you relate to God, you must learn to praise him. It's part of it. What about faith? Yeah. You cannot relate to God without faith. Faith started from Adam. From Adam. Through all the people. That's why when you read the book of Hebrews 11. It starts telling you faith from the time of Noah. When there was no law. There was no commandment. Amen. Yeah. Then you come to upright living. Where was the commandment when Cain killed Abel? Was there any commandment that I shall not kill? No. There was no commandment. But when Cain killed Abel. God rebuked him. Why did you kill your brother? But there's no law that said. You should not kill. But it stands to reason that once you relate with God, you must live uprightly. You follow me? So, murder is against godly living, but it is not a commandment under the law or under grace. It is part, it is part of your relationship with God that you must live uprightly and you must do the right thing. Because that is how he is. That is how he, God is. Amen. Same is is with giving. There was no commandment that said you should give, but Abel gave. Cain gave. Noah, sacrificed. It's there. The same with titan. That is why anybody that comes and says, is titan under the Old Testament or under the New Testament? They don't know the Bible. Because titan started in the Garden of Eden. When God said shall eat every tree, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not take of it. God was establishing a principle that in your lifetime, not everything I give you, you must eat. (laughs) Yeah, it it started right from there. There was no commandment. There was no instruction. That is why, who taught Abraham to pay tithe? Where was it written that the Bible said, Abraham, thou shalt tithe? No, no, but that's not written anywhere. But it's time to reason that it is something that was... Their lifestyle. Prayer was a lifestyle right from the beginning. Worship was a lifestyle. Praise was a lifestyle. Upright living was a lifestyle. Faith is a lifestyle. Giving, lifestyle. Tighten, lifestyle. These are things we call a code of worship. Amen. So when you read the Bible, you will come across what we call correction. God wants you to live uprightly. Why? Because upright living is important for your own success. <laughs> it's for your own success. Amen. Not for God. No. When you do good, you're not doing it for God. And you are not doing it for another person. You are doing it for yourself. You are investing into your own future, consequences that will benefit you. Amen. And the last one is instruction instruction means life principles. Instructions. The Bible is full of instructions. They are principles, non negotiables, they are universal. It means that it works everywhere, and it works for everybody, and it works all the time. It has no respect for people, nor places. Principle is principle. When you read the Bible, you will come across principles of life, that if you are lazy, you'll be poor. It's a principle. <laughs> There's no negotiation. No amount of prayer will cater for your laziness and bring you prosperity. If you are lazy, you'll be poor. It's a principle of life. you It's a principle of life. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Principles are instructions. You don't negotiate them. You don't um, play with them. You just comply with them. And life goes on well for you. May you prosper. May you prosper. May you be favored. May you do well in life. In the name of Jesus. May you become a testimony of the faithfulness of God's word. In the name of Jesus. May the word of God begin to affect your life greatly. Impact your life and make your life a testimony. In the name of Jesus. I pray for you that days come. You will stand like I stand here today. And you will tell people that the word of God works. Because if the Bible is not true, I will not be standing here today. What are you talking about? I am here because the Bible works. Yeah. You don't believe the Bible because that's what I'm closing with. I want to take you through ten proofs. If people like me, I don't believe the Bible is the word of God, I have ten major proofs for you. The first one is myself. Put your hands together for Jesus. (laughs) Amen. If the Bible is not true, I will not be standing here. Because when God called me, I had nothing except the Bible. No money, No financial support. Nobody. I had nobody. He said, what do you mean you had nobody? My whole family was angry that I decided I would be pastor. My siblings. So they said, let's leave him and see what will happen. Am I suffering now? By the grace of God, I took good care of my mother before she died. Good care of my mother. Amen. Amen. God made sure she didn't die early. And I started preaching this Bible in a village, not in Accra in a village, in one of the remotest places on the earth. That's where I started preaching from. But I believe the Bible. I believe it works. The same way I'm preaching it now, that's how I started preaching it. 22 years ago, I preached it with my heart out. I believed it. I practiced it. I followed it. There is nothing I teach that I don't do. If there's something I haven't preached yet, I'm still trying to do it. Because there is no proof that you know something unless you can prove it by your life. Don't tell me I know how to drive. Come and let me teach you. Have you have drove before? He said no. Hey, to be careful, be careful with you. Oh, Pastor oh, I want to teach you how to drive. I know I can teach you very well. Do you know how to drive? No. Do you have license? No. If you want to teach me how to drive, you must know how to drive. I said you must know how to drive. If you don't know how to drive, shut up. Go to the driving school and learn how to drive. Amen. Amen. All right, so nine pros. Now, before you convince somebody to stake his life on the Word, you have to be able to give him proof to him beyond all reasonable doubts that this book is the Word of God. Amen. Yeah, the first one is the sincerity and honesty expressed in all narrative scriptures. Now, listen, the Bible is the only book in the world that is so transparent, sincere, and honest. Any historical book you will read in the world, certain facts have been concealed. Any biography you read doesn't tell all the story. But read the Bible. Hello? You will come across Father Abraham, the father of faith. The Bible said he lied. And the Bible wrote it down, that he told a lie. Number two, he doubted God, and have one child with uh, her maid servant Somebody that is called the father of faith must be so honorable that there must be no negative statement about him. Then you meet a man like King David, God's beloved. The Bible said, a man after God's own heart. So, you see, when they say is a man after God, God loved the guy so crazily. So, there must be nothing wrong with the guy. Then, you get the shock of your life. The Bible said, one day David was walking on the the terrace of his story building. And he saw a lady bathing in the afternoon. (laughs) Hallelujah. And this lady's husband had gone to war to fight in the battle for David. Amen. Amen. David took this woman, slept with her until she became pregnant. And when the woman became pregnant, David said, oh, if people find out that the whole king... You know, under the law, in the time of David, adultery is murder. And it is punishable by death. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So David knew that if this is found out, I must be killed. So he decided to conceal the crime of adultery. And you know how David concealed it? He conspired and the lady's husband was killed at war. David wrote a letter and gave it to the same man. And said, Take it to Joab, the commander. And this man was carrying a letter, faithful soldier. Not knowing that that letter he was carrying was his death sentence. Hallelujah. You will not die before your time. <laughs> <laughs> and you, his name was Uriah. Uriah carried this letter to Joab, the general. And Joab said, Uriah, um, today the battle strategy is changing a little. You take a few soldiers, go to this part. And they withdrew all the army from them. And they were killed. When Joab sent message to David that Uriah is dead, David went to take Uriah's wife, her name is Bathsheba, and married her secretly. Then God showed that thing to the prophet Nathan. You see, if a man after God's heart, God will still allow that A horrible thing. Now, how many people will be writing a story about their head of state? Mm? And will write such a thing about their head of state unless they are in the opposition party. (laughs) Amen. Are you understanding? They will not say. But God was writing a Bible that will be read in the whole world. He said, make sure that this thing is written because... God wants everybody to know that this book is not a one-sided uh, make-up stories to just brainwash people. God wanted everybody to know that this book is about reality, his divine power working through realistic, truthful, historical issues to fulfill his plan and purpose on earth. That is why the man. Who was called the head of the church? Apostle Peter. The head of the church. The head of the church. Jesus said, you are Peter, and upon this revelation you have given. You know, the reason why Peter was the one who had the revelation. That when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Then they said, some say you are Jeremiah, some say Elijah, some say that. Then Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Everybody was quiet because they were all not sure. Suddenly the Holy Ghost came upon Peter. And he had a revelation. Now the reason why it was Peter who had that revelation was because he was called to be the head of the church. He had the calling. So the Holy Ghost could not bypass the one who had the calling of the leader and go talk to John. Hallelujah. Yeah. It's a good place to clap. So what happened? Jesus said, You are Peter, and upon this revelation you have given that I'm the Christ, I'll build my church and against that. This same Peter, you read the Bible, you'll be be shocked. Were you not shocked? When Peter said, Jesus, I don't know him. I haven't seen him before. Since I was born, I have never talked to him before. (laughs) Hallelujah. I can give you more stories on and on and on and on. Of the whole Bible is full of sincerity and honesty amen Amen. only god can make us that certain things should be written for example when somebody slap you on one cheek turn the other only god can write that don't you think so don't you think so you know it's in the bible that if somebody take you to court to take your trousers give him your jacket in addition only god can make that to be written amen that love your enemies Only God can make that written. So, the sincerity. Number two, the accuracy of historical evidence. When we say historical evidence, what I mean is that there are historians from different universities around the world, scholars who have done a lot of excavations in Israel because history involves archaeology. You have to dig places and find out the history of places. There are a lot of historical findings that validates most of, of the historical records in the Bible, a lot. If you go to Israel, you got a national museum in Jerusalem. When you enter there, nobody will tell you that the Bible is true. Things that have been found. In fact, in Jeremiah 32, there is an instruction God gave Jeremiah that he should buy a, a portion of land and do the title deeds of the land you should pay for the land the receipts of the land everything she should put it in a pot and bury it in the temple that pot has been found the documents are in it in fact it was that document that they took to international linguistics laboratory to get the meaning because the hebrew language has changed a little like english has changed over the years so the writing, even the Jews could not interpret the writing in the port. So they had to take it to an international linguistics laboratory to find them. mean And they saw that this is a portion of land bought by a Jew. So they went to the Bible and said, I know. Jeremiah was one of the people that God instructed to hide the receipts of, of a land person in a port. Amen. Yeah, That was 1942. When Israel had taken Palestine to court to claim their land and the international court of justice said they should bring evidence that they are the owners of the land then they took the bible <laughs> that's all they had they took the bible then when they took the bible the court said the bible is a religious book and religious documents don't don't have any uh, power at court then god led one historian to find a pot it was that pot and that document that compelled the international Court of Justice to declare Israel as the rightful owners of the land. Yay! I'm telling you the truth. There's a place in Israel uh, in, on the desert. There are some caves called the Qomram Caves on the West Bank of Israel. Some Jewish scribes wrote many, 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 many of the biblical text on scrolls. You know those days, they don't have a book. And they wrote these scriptures on scrolls, put them in bottles and jars, and hid them in the cave. So some historians found these seven caves, and when they brought out, because most of them were written from 50 to 100 years A.D. That means just after Jesus' death. That means during the days of the apostles, and immediately after, most of those scrolls were written. Many of them are destroyed, But by God's own miracle, few of them were still intact. And it's in the museum today. You will see scrolls of books. And when they try to read them, it's the same as the text we have in our Bible. Same as what we have in our Bible. So when you find a scroll that wrote something about Isaiah, you can see it. You can go to the book of Isaiah and find the same. Yeah. And, and there are many, many places. Look, there are still... Pieces of the wall of Jericho still in Israel. I was there myself. I saw it. So when you say Jericho was a city that existed, the walls came down. It's not a fiction. It's really it's truth. The historical evidence is there to prove. The temple Solomon built. The foundation wall is still there. They call it the Wailing Wall. I was there to pray. The Jews pray on that wall 24-7. They run shifts, the rabbis. It's there. <laughs> Many things in the Bible, you will find, they will take you places. Amen. The upper room is there. I was there. I was there in the upper room. It's not a mystery. And every, every place you get to, huh, they will give you reasons from scripture and history. And the historian who found the place. And most of these historians are not Christians. They are just scholars. They are doing the academic work. They bump on information. They, 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 they bring them out. Amen. So this book you are holding, it has historical accuracy. Even scholars attest to it. Okay. The harmony of the 66 books written by 40. I've I spoken about this last Sunday. That 40 different people within the space of 1,000, years wrote the same thing. For me, it's the strongest proof that the Bible is the word of God. Amen. Amen. The harmony of scripture that most of the, the authors wrote the Bible never met before. They never... They they have never seen each other before. They never sat down to plan, this is how we will write. But everything they wrote, agreed together. There's no one text of scripture that contradicts another. Unless you don't understand that, you say there's a contradiction. There is no Bible verse that contradicts another Bible verse in the whole of the Bible. And yet, all the writings were written by different people in different years. 1,600 years span. 40 different writers all saying the same thing. It must be the one spirit behind the 40 people at different times writing the same thing. Put your hands together for the Lord. (laughs) Number four. Fulfillment of prophecies of scripture. Number five. The most printed book of all time is the Bible. So that alone should tell you it's God's book, isn't it? No book, (laughs) you know, can beat the Bible. The Guinness Book of Records says that the Bible has printed over 5 billion copies. Hallelujah. If you're an author and you do 1 million copies, you are, you are in fact, you are a good author. <laughs> the Holy Ghost authored his book. He's not selling 1 million copies or 10 million, 5 billion, and still counting. Amen? Yeah, number six. The first book to be printed at the invention of a printing press is the Bible. It suggests to me that God brought about printing press because of his, his book. Number seven, the Bible has been translated into more languages than any other book in the world. 1,500 languages in the world. And still counting because every year they are adding more. 1,500. Hallelujah. Number eight is what I like most. The Bible has a miraculous influence on people who read it. That's what I'm saying. I'm using my life as an example. I'm saying that the Bible is true because of my life. Amen. The Bible has changed people's lives. Change people's lives, who decided to just make that book the standard for their lives. Amen? No no other book has done that. Number nine, over 2,000 times in Scripture, the Bible is referred to as the Word of God. If you read the book of Exodus um, 34, 16, you'll see it there. Now, number 10. Number 10 says that Jesus referred to the Scripture as the Word of God. If you read the book of uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus taught the disciples from the scriptures. He taught them from the law. He taught them from the prophets. Luke 24, uh, 44. Luke 24, 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Amen. So Jesus taught from the Psalms. He taught from the prophets. He taught from the law. The law means the first 5 books of Moses. The prophets means Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. He taught from all that. He taught from the Psalms. Amen. And the last proof that the Bible is the word of God is the miraculous preservation of scripture. All through history there's been many attempts to destroy the Bible from the planet, and it never worked. I want to tell you one interesting story. There's this man. He was a French public speaker. He's an artist. He doesn't believe that God exists. And he was an outstanding speaker and a writer. And he has written many books and many publications. And most of his campaign was against Christians and the Bible. During one of his speeches, students said, In 100 years, the Bible will cease to exist. And all Christianity will die. Guess what happened after 100 years? His name is Voltaire. Voltaire died many many years before his 100th year. But the prophecy was yet to be fulfilled. In 100 years, the house of this man, Voltaire, a French uh, public speaker. You can read about him. In 100 years time, his house was bought by the... Bible Society of the World. His house was bought by some miraculous means. And these people did not know what this man had spoken and written. His house was bought by the the French Bible Society. And the people who bought the house was to use it to print more Bibles. And his printing press was acquired by the same Bible Society, and that's what they are using to print Bibles now. <laughs> Put your <their> hands together. <laughs> the Geneva Bible Society bought his house and bought his printing press, and he started using it to. On the hundredth year, because God heard what he said. Lift up your Bible if you have one. If you don't have one, wherever you read, you read your Bible from, If it's your phone or your this thing, say, this is my Bible. Bible. It contains the word of God. God. I believe everything it says. I I am what it says I am. I I can do what it says I can do. do. In Jesus' name. From today, today, I'll stick my life on the word. I will build my life on the word. I will become what God says I am. And my life will be a testimony. In Jesus' name, put your hands together for the Lord, if you believe it. Oh, some of you are not clapping. You are what the God says you are. And the Bible says you are a winner. You are not a loser. The Bible said you are the head and not the tail. I don't know who you are and where you are today, but I came to tell you that you are what God says you are. And no matter what you are going through, what God has said concerning your life will come to pass. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of God will never, ever, ever pass away. In the name of Jesus, your life is going somewhere. I don't know what you are going through, but I want you to know, God has a plan for your life. And God's word has spoken concerning that situation. And there is a change coming for you. I said there is a change coming for you. In the name of Jesus, you are what God says you are. You can do what God says you can do. Your limitations cannot stop the word of God. Your circumstances cannot hinder the word of God. What God has promised concerning you, he will bring it to pass. In the name of Jesus. Somebody shout amen. hope you've been blessed by today's message you can contact reverend hubert on 030-340-7970 or 24 remain blessed